cut for the week of March 19th, 2023. Welcome aboard, everyone. And we were just talking here before we uh, pressed record. Uh, my two co-hosts here, Super Dave and Super Marissa, both have kids that are turning 10 years old. So quick shout out to Addie. She turned 10 on Sunday. Is that 10. Right? It's hard to believe, but yes. It's crazy. Oh, A whole decade of Addie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Elsa also just turned 10 back in February. Yeah, in January, actually. January. So I was telling oh. Darren that she oh, has hey. her birthday party on Thursday. February was a busy month. So she so January twenty fifth was her actually actual wow. birthday and wow. it's wow. a lot yeah yeah okay. March March 9th observed okay so <laughs> so I was just reflecting and I asked everyone to Google this before we hit play or record is uh, what was cool when we were ten so I was I was ten in nineteen eighty and here's some of what was cool back then the Walkman was cool then members only jackets man I remember when I got my first members only jacket that's still that was cool so cool <laughs> uh, trapper keepers were big. Uh, the Rubik's Cube, and um, Garbage Pail Kids. I don't remember that. Were they like a, a spinoff of the Cabbage Patch Dolls? They were, but they were they were something that my mom did not allow me to have. Oh. They were like a rude Cabbage Patch Doll trading cards. Okay. They were from the <laughs> wrong side of the tracks, yeah, I guess. Okay, so that's what was cool when I was 10. Um, Dave, for you, what was cool when you were 10? So what year were you born? 1980. Okay, so 1990, you were 10. So in 1990... A Sony Discman. Uh, not the Walkman, but the not Discman. Not the Walkman. The Discman Damn, was popular. <laughs> Doc Martens. Yes. Everybody remembers the Doc Martin era, uh, although they're back in style now. Bart Simpson. Ugh. He was a thing. I could never get into Bart's, Bart Simpson. Bart. Beanie, burp, Bart, burp. Burp. That, that's burp, the, uh, <laughs> the bootleg Bart yeah. Simpson. <laughs> Darren had a Burp Simpson shirt. Yeah, yeah. Burp, burp Simpson. Now I'd get into that. That'd be awesome. We used to call that the, the stuff that would come up on train from Mexico that people would, would try and sell for yeah. cheaper, the yeah. knockoffs. That's it. That's it. Um, Beanie Babies and Designer Yo-Yos. I never had a designer yo-yo. Of course, I was 20 at the time, so... Yeah, you probably. were not... Yeah, you remember yeah. the yo-yo man? They really tried to make yo-yos cool there for a second. Yeah. They did. Yeah. 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 Okay. A Duncan. We had some Duncans. Now, Duncans. I had a Duncan back Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you had an Easter basket, it was going to have a Duncan That's in it. Right. And you were going to be bad at it. Yes. It looked <laughs> cool we, on TV. Yeah. We would all try and walk the dog, because that was the, the one <laughs> trick that, that we tried to pull off that you yeah. couldn't pull off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Marissa, you were born in 80... 81. One. Yeah. Okay, so in 91, what was cool? Super Nintendo System came out. Oh, very cool. Which was very popular in my house. Uh, That was Home Alone, Fresh Mm. Prince of Bel-Air, and then the things that I couldn't watch, like Silence of the Lambs and Cape Fear. (laughs) Silence of the Lambs is one of the singular, most scary movies I've ever watched in my entire life. I probably saw it sooner than I should have, but uh, not in 1991. (laughs) Not then. Well, we're just all just cool, aren't we? So. So cool. So it'll be great that your, your daughters will look mm-hmm. back on their 10-year-old year. And so what what's cool this year? I'm just some YouTube influencer probably. <laughs> Mr. Beast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably, yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. what's cool on TV or, or whatever. <laughs> okay, well, should we talk about the Bible now? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Popular Let's... in 1990, 1991, and today. Uh, it's 
you could say it's timeless. You could. You could say that. Okay, so I want to remind you of what we're doing in this teaching series, how to be a mediocre Christian. Um, and again, I confessed on Sunday. I had a plan going in. I really did. Of I was going to teach in this direction using these ideas and these texts uh, from the Scripture. Um, I'm not going to blame God on anything, but I've, I felt to go in a new direction. So I'm going in a new direction with my teaching on Sunday morning, but I'm still going to hit on these themes. But I want our community groups to stay focused on these themes and these texts because they are solid. And what I've outlined here for us, if, if you want to be a mediocre Christian, you know, just do what everyone else does in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The world says, follow your heart. Um, well, we're told to follow Christ. Uh, today, we're going to talk about making poor decisions. In the future, we'll talk about obeying your urges or remaining unforgiving. And, and these all kind of come together, and there are other characteristics, but if you want to be a mediocre Christian, here's how to do it. Specifically today, making poor decisions. And, you know, as a pastor, pastoral counselor, y'all see this as well. People who claim to be Christians want to follow Christ, and yet, I'm just going to say it like I want to say it, still make some bonehead decisions, mm-hmm. you know. Why don't we stop for a minute and say, what decision does Christ want me to make? in this situation. Not do what's reflected in the culture around me, but do what's reflected in culture. Excuse me, Christ, not culture. <laughs> okay, so the text is going to be Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. I'm going to turn it over to you guys to discuss it here in just a bit. A bit. But from benefit of our Wednesday night study of Ephesians, and if I were teaching this, I would start with the big picture and then zoom in. Starting in Ephesians 4, verse 1, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, Paul gives five commands of walking. Here's how to walk, and that's a metaphor for living. We walk through life. We follow Christ. We live day by day. He says in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, walk in unity. He says in chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, which we're going to look at today, walk in your new identity. He says in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, walk in love. He says in chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, walk in light. And then chapter 5, verses 15 through 6, 9, walk in wisdom. Okay, so he gives these five commands, walk in unity, new identity, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. So we're zooming in now on that new identity, which means as new creatures in Christ, we make different kinds of decisions. And instead of making poor decisions, we make wise decisions. So uh, in my NIV translation, the caption on this is Instructions in Christian Living, a.k.a. Here's How Not to Make Poor Decisions. So long intro. I've dominated long enough. <laughs> Go. Uh, what, what stands out to you guys? What do we want to point out as teachers prepare to teach this? How would you teach this? Well, I had the chance to teach this just a few weeks ago for yeah. our, our Wednesday night class. It was a fun time. Um, as I look at this passage... I. Certainly, Paul is talking about what it means to live in a new identity. Part of that is specifically looking at what Jesus did on our behalf. He compares and contrasts the old way of living with a new way of living. He even uses language, take off and put on, like we can take off clothes or put on clothes. It's very similar to what he does in Colossians when he talks about being baptized in Christ, dying to the old self, rising again, letting Jesus walk in you. I think the, the central part, if I were teaching this, I would look at verses 20 and 21, but that's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him mm-hmm. and were taught by him as the truth 
is in Jesus. That the, that's the central point of all this. That, that Paul isn't giving us a set of instructions to say, you've got to do 50,000 things to model your faith. He's saying, we're in Jesus. And when we're in Jesus, who we are is naturally going to change. And part of that comes off in, in verse 23. As he says in 22 and 23, take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. It's the same word that Paul uses in Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The idea there is that as we spend time with God, as we spend time seeking him in his presence, he's going to change us. He'll transform us, and that new identity that he's created us to be in because of what Jesus did on the cross, going all the way back to Ephesians 2, that's going to naturally come out of who we are and impact how we relate to God and how we relate to other people, which takes us through the rest of the passage. I don't want to rob what Marissa's going to say, so I'm going to pause right there. Let me me insert one thing here, and then I'll I'll go to Marissa. So Mm -hmm. in verse 23 and 24, that's that's very key for me in understanding this passage, to put Mm -hmm. off your old self, to put on your new self. And what we talked about in our Wednesday night class was this was a baptismal picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early church, uh, when baptism took place, they typically baptized men and women separately for the reasons I'm about to, to explore, that uh, a, a man, as he approached the baptismal waters, would take off his old set of clothes and he would enter the water naked. Thus, thus the uh, segregated swimming, or what did they call it <laughs> when they wouldn't let you swim together at Falls Creek? What did they call I don't know. that? I didn't Falls Creek. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know, separate mm. bathing, right? <laughs> so that, there was good reason for this. So a man would enter the water naked. When he came out, the church would present him with a new set of clothes as a symbol of putting on a new person, and the old clothes were given to the poor. Mm. Okay. By the way, there's an echo of the caring center right there. We take what we can't mm-hmm. use anymore. We give it to those who are under-resourced. But it's the idea of putting on a new identity. It's a baptismal picture. And so what Paul is saying here is don't forget who you are. You've been given a new identity in Christ, and so that should change the decisions you make. I was talking with Marissa a bit ago about a a person I visited in the hospital recently who's very depressed, and I found myself saying to her, you need to remember Hmm. that you are a daughter of the eternal king. I know the situations right now are kind of dark, but remember who you are, and that's that's exactly what Paul is saying here. All right, Marissa, did I rob what you were going to say? No, no, nothing, nothing being robbed. I mean, Paul says that we're called to walk in a way worthy of our high calling. That's what he says in Ephesians 4.1. Um, and as Romans 8 puts it, it's to remember identity as children of God, just like you were reminding your friend in the hospital. You are a daughter of God, and we're meant to bring glory to our Father as we live by the good example of Christ, our older brother. I love those images in Romans 8 of a family. Yeah. Um, and when we understand our identity as children of God and our calling to live as salt and light um, that glorify Him, we will want to live differently than the world around us. It'll be our nature, like you were mm-hmm. saying, Dave, mm-hmm. um, our new nature. We'll want to live in a way that honors our father and our wider Christian family, and we won't be able to help but live differently because we've inherited the spirit of righteousness. We won't be able to suppress it any more than we're able to like suppress the nose that came from our grandfather or the, you know, <laughs> the eyes that came from our mother. Uh, this is our inherit- new inheritance, are these traits. So the life of a Christian striving towards righteousness is, you know, Paul uses so many gorgeous metaphors to talk about this journey. Um, here he's talking about a walk. In other places he talks about a race. Um, he, he talks about a, a child growing, um, even a baby growing towards maturity. And little children make so many mistakes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus loves the little children. Especially when they're 10. They make a lot of mistakes they, when hey, they're listen, 10. Hey, listen, so many mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even when we falter, he's there to take us by the hand and pick us up and set us on the right path again because we're precious to him. And Hebrews, like I said, in Hebrews, uh, the Christian life is described as a race. And um, for me, the, the the journey of a child towards maturity is more apt for my own walk because, you know, a race is run by athletes who are at the peak of their <laughs> their strength and their skill. But a child, you know, we barely can get our feet underneath us. Yeah. Um, when I think of my own discipleship walk, I think of my baby nephew, Milo, who's just now starting to walk. And, what a great and name. He's, yeah, Milo. It's a great name. He's our marshmallow. Um, but my brother-in-law will stretch out his arms and call to him, and and Milo will stand to his feet and he'll giggle and he'll he'll try to move faster than his body <laughs> allows. And look, yeah. he's a little top heavy. Yeah, I a little bit top heavy. Yeah. He's in the 99th percentile, so he's a little top heavy. There you go. And but he'll race and stumble till he tumbles over. And this is us. We'll make mistakes. Um, we'll try to move faster than uh, we're able to on our own. We'll stumble and we'll fall over as Christians. But as Christians, if we maintain our excitement to get to our dad. Um, and God is quick to pick us up in his arms and set us back on our feet. And That's surrounding Milo, you know, we're all this, we're the crowd of witnesses, <laughs> the, the mm. crowd of witnesses, that the community of saints, his mom and I as an aunt and his uncles and his big sister cheering him on. I mean, that's, that's now, Ephesians are you, are you 4.29. The, are you the cool aunt or are you the weird aunt? Hey, listen. I feel like that doesn't need to be asked. Clearly, well, is it a little bit weird of both? is cool. It's a little. Oh, that's true. It's a little <laughs> bit of both. So, and, and think about it. To, to use Milo, Milo's a superstar, and he's yeah. uh, not even one yet. Or no, he'd be about one if he's yeah, walking. Yeah, exactly okay. one. Yeah. So, Thursday he turned one. So you know when kids fall down at that age, they kind of giggle as they get back up too. It's, yeah, it's yeah. They don't beat themselves up for falling down as long as they're moving toward the parent. So now. It, it'd be easy to say, okay, don't make bad decisions. Remember your identity in Christ. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. Walk toward the Father. All that feels right and good, but it, what it lacks is a little bit of the grit, the practicality. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. And that's where it, what starts happening in verse 25. Paul says, now... You know what? Um, can I use the word boneheaded again? Is that a bad word? Is that a bad thing? No, no. you okay. can use it. Okay, that's just the word that comes to mind. Don't be boneheaded in the way you talk. Mm-hmm. Don't be boneheaded in the way that you deal with your anger. Uh, don't be boneheaded in in bitterness and c- having compassion. I mean, start making right decisions in the way you speak, in the way you process your emotions, and the way you handle other people. And that's not an exhaustive list. That's more of a sample. So from verse 25 on, as y'all read this passage, what's what's one thing you sit on that you would go, as Christians, we need to make better decisions when it comes to this area? What What for you stands out? For me, as I look at this passage, so much of it centers around community. Not, not only how are we approaching God, but how is that spilling over to impact other people? How much are we willing to let our identity actually build each other up or encourage each other instead of tear each other down? It's almost like Paul is playing off of that, that previous passage, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that, that God gave some to be apostles and prophets to build up the church, to grow everyone towards maturity. That part of that walking out the new identity means that once Jesus is in us, it's going to mean the way we talk, the way we get angry, the whether we tell truths or lies. We're gonna, we are not going to tell lies. We are going to not going to allow our emotions to control us. We are going to look for ways to build other people up, to grow people towards maturity. And I think the anchor for that is is verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another as, as God forgave you in Christ. 
So um, I think verse 32 is the one that if I were teaching this, I would make sure to land on at the end. Mm-hmm. Don't overlook this one. Yes. Uh, and this, this, you know, this applies to those who are followers of Jesus. It also applies to those who we live around and work around, you know. Uh, I, I'll point out, there, there's two that stand out to me. I'll point out one now and send it over to Marissa. Um, you know, verse 26, Paul says, In your anger do not sin. Uh, N.T. Wright, who, who has done some excellent teaching on Ephesians, he's a little speculative here. Uh, he thinks that maybe Paul is thinking back to the row that he had with Barnabas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, since N.T. Wright's English, I thought I would put the word row in there. Do you I like, like it. that? It's, it's, a good, it's a good word. Yeah, yeah, word of the day. Word of the day, row. Uh, and, and probably now that Paul had matured a few years, uh, he looked back on that event with a certain level of regret. Mm-hmm. And, you know, isn't that the way... Milo is learning how to walk. He's going to stumble and fall and learn more from that than anything else. So Paul says, you know, I fell. Um, I've experienced this sin firsthand. And, um, you know, in your anger, do not sin. I think that was very personal for Paul. And yes. A, and a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marissa, what stands out to you? Well, um, there's uh, an image here that's lost in the NIV translation that I'm using this morning, that uh, this idea of callousness versus tenderheartedness. Um, verse 19 is such a tragic verse. Uh, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Um, this is an image of a callous heart, um, somebody that's been so hurt by life, so disappointed by the futility that they've experienced, um, that they've become callous, and callousness only happens from repeated pain. Um, so just the person that Paul is describing is trying to... Um, to tenderize that callous or soften that callous with everything the world has to offer um, by material goods and uh, partners and um, and all these things that they're trying to fix themselves um, to penetrate that callousness so they can experience joy and love again. So whenever you see um, imagery of softening a heart or tenderheartedness or, or uh, making a new heart, I, I imagine God softening those calluses so that we can feel all that the world has to offer again, all the love and the joy that he intended, because only God can soften a heart. Um, but this whole section, in light of some of the things that are happening in in the Christian world the last couple of weeks, oh boy. Mm. Um, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, I just see uh, with new eyes that it's loving advice for Christians who are disappointed in their fellow Christians. Um, that uh, we have a tendency to want to prove to the world that we're we're different than the people that are disappointing us. Um, that uh, we see the bad behavior of others who aren't living up to their identity as disciples, and we want to distance ourselves from them. But we sometimes have the impulse to become more like non-Christians rather than becoming more like Christ when things yeah. like that happen. Um, you know, we, we want to say we're the good ones <laughs> and right. prove to the world. It's like, but, but we're not like that. And so why it doesn't make sense then that we would become more like non-Christians than like Christ. Um, so rather than walking like the Gentiles do, walk closer to Christ when the behavior of, of those who use the label of Christian or claim to speak for God or claim to speak for Christ are, are falling away. Um, just walk closer to Christ. Um, we put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, not to be like our parents or to be like a particular part, political party or to even be like our pastors or teachers, people that can disappoint us, but to we're created to be like God in true righteousness. So, so you're saying people are still boneheaded today. Is that what you're saying? The, the boneheadedness will never fall away. It never will. <laughs> Just, it'll keep on happening. And we can let 
and, and take, you know, even things happening in our own, own denomination, I'm not going to let other people's boneheaded decisions drive me away from Christ. And that's mm-hmm. what I would encourage folks in our church to, to grab onto. And if you don't know what we're talking about, just then don't worry about it. You're better off not <laughs> yeah. knowing. It's true. But, yeah, but the, all the things, I, I don't want their bad decisions to lead me to a bad decision. Whatever they decide, I want to walk closely with Christ, and I want to lead our church to be disciples yeah. of Jesus, and that means making good decisions. Right, and over mm-hmm. the last few years, I've seen so many people I love fall away from God because yeah. of the actions of His church. Right. But when our hearts become hardened against the body of Christ, when we don't respond with kindness and humility and tenderheartedness to the failings of our fellow brothers and sisters, our hearts become hardened against the head of the church, yeah. against Christ himself. Where, where I want to end our focus on, because it, it is easy, and, and this has been a good conversation, it's easy to see the failings of others. What's harder to see in this text is where, where I have failed. And, and as a teacher, I would say, you know, as you look at these commands from verse 25 on, where, where do you need to work? You know, I'm, I'm verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Um, as a communicator, uh, I want to be engaging and... Sometimes I cross the line from being engaging to be entertaining, and if I feel like people's attention is slipping, I want to say something funny, and then when I say something funny, pretty soon I cross a line and I say something I shouldn't have said. <laughs> and I've done this so many times <laughs> over the years where I, I walk off the platform or I in a Bible study. And so I, I ask the church's forgiveness for that because I'm still learning. You know, This, this tendency to be a, approved by others and to entertain others rather than be pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. So that's one that, as a follower of Jesus, I'm still working on rather intensely. Mm. And I appreciate the church's patience with me, but that's one where I go, that, that's one I need to make better decisions in what I say. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> I've just now confessed all my sins. You know, and I don't beat myself up for it, but I go, that needs to change. Right. It needs to change, mm-hmm. and it is. I- anything else, you guys? Any, do y'all want to confess your sins too? Don't leave me out here by myself. I'm good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> hey, I, I am happy to to confess my shortcomings. I like. To I think we all like to put. Sins. I think we all like to put our foot in our mouths from time to time. Oh yeah. And and so uh, it's a good reminder for all of us, not just for you when you're speaking from the stage, but how many times are we in the middle of a conversation with our spouses, and we let our emotions get the better of us? Sure. That's right. Okay. So um, any last things y'all are just dying to say before we. We log off here. This is good stuff. So um, I hope you get the idea that this teaching series, How to Be a Mediocre Christian, really we're teaching just the opposite. And I love Dallas Willard's uh, little simple ditty where he says that to be <laughs> a little ditty. I know. We, we, just, we just shook our heads because well, it's, it's a little, little ditty. ditty. So we're like dancing it's, a little bit. It's a little ditty. He said, you know, we, as, as Christians, we've been given the vocation. We've been given the trade. This is our, this is our job to learn how to follow Jesus everywhere, in front of everyone, all the time. Man, that's tough. And you know what? But it's a lifelong journey. Just like Milo's taking some steps, we're going to keep taking some steps mm-hmm. until we grow into Christ-likeness. All right, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, now and forever. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.